Welcome to Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast where you ditch the diet drama, banish body shame, and reclaim your life, all while creating a body you love. When it comes to body drama, your host, Carmela Romalia, has been there, done that, has the t-shirt, and wrote the books. And now, here's Carmela. Hello, hello, my friends. It's me, Carmela, from Happy Calories Don't Count. Welcome to episode number 28 of the Food is Not a Four-Letter Word podcast. Yes, this is like, I don't know, the seventh or eighth intro I've tried to record or a podcast I've tried to record. And I keep stopping, you know, at this little intro thing because I keep having to sneeze or cough or something Uh, because spring has sprung here in the Pacific Northwest and my allergies are insane. Um, So I decided I'm just going to try to go ahead and muscle through this episode. And if it has weird edits in it, that is why I'm editing out a sneeze or a cough or a something. But you know, no rest for the weary. We must we must persevere. So let's start with our three deep breaths, shall we? Take a deep breath in and exhale. And again, deep breath in and exhale. And last one, deep breath all the way down to your toes. And exhale. Yay! Thank you so much for playing along with me. So I do these three deep breaths at the beginning of every episode for a few different reasons. Um, One is to ground myself. I tend to go full Carmela in these episodes. Um, And especially with an episode like today's topics that can be um, very uh, sensitive and very... um, they people can there there's a lot of emotion around the ideas presented in in this particular episode and so um taking that beat taking that breath grounding myself and slowing down because i i notice that i also tend to speak very quickly especially if i am fearful that the dog is going to bark or that you know i'm going to have a cough or something like that because i want to get get my idea out to you before it gets interrupted. Uh, And sometimes, especially if it is a topic that has so much heated emotion around it, um, I want to make sure that I'm using uh, my words carefully to really convey uh, the essence of the meaning and the ideas that I'm trying to present. And of course, I'm going to fail at times. And of course, no matter how careful I am, somebody's going to misinterpret something and, you know, have a hissy fit or whatever. Um, and that's just the nature of what it is. Uh, and then also, um, in, in line with that, this, I I can speak. I can speak to these issues. Uh, all of Happy Calories Don't Count, all of Food Is Not a Four-Letter Word, all of this is original content from healing my own pain, shame, and drama. So I get this on a level that, that you know, you might not even realize that I do get. I can relate more than you would think that I could just if you saw some social media post or, or something like that. Um, and 
you know, I've got other episodes that share my story and all of that stuff. But suffice it to say that, you know, I survived the eating disorder from hell. I was 17, at 17, I was 80 pounds and I was hospitalized for anorexia. I was in treatment for uh, Five, four times, five total times, but four times by the time I was 25. At 30, I was 200 pounds and suicidal. Like, it was drama, right? Uh, so, so I really, really get this. And then the other reason that I take the three deep breaths at the beginning is also to model for you what a simple and easy and effective tool this can be for literally transforming your life. You know, it's just whatever is going on in the moment, whether it has to deal with a food, body, you know, type of issue, whether it is a relationship issue, whether it is a family, a friend, somebody at work, whether it is, you know, sitting in traffic, whatever is going on in your life, you have the space and the grace to take a beat, take a breath, connect to your center, connect to your source, and then whatever action you choose to take in the next moment in time will come from a place of inspired action that is congruent with your highest self. And that is literally how you create a life and a body that you love. So um, without further ado, (laughs) let's jump into this topic, shall we? Um, So I I had a couple of I had a couple of of interesting things hit me and and it was a couple of weeks ago. This isn't even new news anymore because I've I've had, you know, the allergies and everything. I just didn't think that I could get into the studio without coughing and hacking. Um and so it might be old news to you, but it it's stuff that I think uh warrants a conversation. Uh from from the happy calories don't count perspective. So everything, you know, that I'm going to say is my opinion based on the happy calories don't count perspective based on healing and transforming my own pain, shame, and drama. And when you put on the happy calories don't count glasses, you know, you see the world differently than you do if you don't have them on or even if you have those diet and exercise glasses on. And from a happy calories don't count perspective, the biggest Uh, hurdle that you have in terms of uh, creating a body and a life you love, the biggest hurdle that you have to feeling good in your body and about your body and actually optimizing those physical results is that conventional cultural diet and exercise model. And so I harp on that model again and again and again. And I I don't say that it's the root of all evil, but it is the root of all dysfunction. So any kind of dysfunctional behavior or attitude, perspective, feeling, whatever it is that you have about food or about exercise or about your body or about your weight, it is my contention that we can trace it back down to the diet and exercise model. And hopefully I will be able to illustrate that through this very sensitive conversation that I am trying to navigate. So excuse me, again, allergies. So weird cuts, you know, that's why. Um, So I was cruising Netflix and Netflix Prime, one of them. Anyway, so on Amazon Prime, I think it's Amazon Prime, Lizzo um, has this new reality TV series out and it's like, watch out for the big girls or something. I think it's I think that's what it's called. Uh, and it's a reality show where she's auditioning the backup dancers for her her new tour. And I have not 
watched the episodes. So disclaimer, I have not watched the episodes. I've only seen the trailer, right? Now, we can go down a whole rabbit hole about what reality TV is and is not. Um, So the first thing, reality TV is not real. It is constructed. It is a constructed form of entertainment um, designed to... um, bring out the worst in the contestants, sometimes the best, but more often than not the worst, uh, so that it can provide shock value. And it is edited, it is specifically constructed through editing. So there are a lot of moments that is a look someone might have or a, a a comment someone might give that are completely taken out of context because they're edited together in such a way to create a story, to maximize shock value, to create a public response, to keep the viewer engaged. Um, so, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole we can go down that about whether or not reality TV is really real or not and what is the purpose of reality TV and does it serve uh, a vibe um, does it does it serve a beneficial function in society? You know, that's a whole different philosophical question. But in the trailer of Lizzo's um, whatever what what is it called? It's called Watch Out for the Big Girls. Um, Lizzo herself is a very large woman, and she is auditioning very large women and some even trans people. I think to. Uh, to as far as part of her show. And what I thought was really interesting about that is in the trailer there were a couple of moments of the 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 tear the tearjerker moment about how, you know, I just feel so uncomfortable in my skin or or I don't feel like people accept me because I'm a big girl, you know, and and the emo- the emotional stuff that someone would have around that just feeling like they don't fit in in society. And in this particular case, based on their size. And so there are the, you know, you can do it, girls, and the emotional things about that. But when you look at all of that from just a, fe- a sheer physical standpoint, those ladies, you watch them shake their groove thing, you know, that takes energy. That takes stamina. To be able to, and I know because, you know, I, I've i done this, you know, I've been on stage and I remember when I, I was doing a concert and I was I was practicing with the band and I was, you know, here, this is my song, this is my song and I'm singing my song with the band and so we always had these sound checks and I would do this and then we, we had a really, really big performance. It was like our biggest gig. We had five, seven hundred people in the audience, something like that and uh, and we were doing Love Shack. And, you know, Love Shack's one of those shake your groove things kinds of songs. And I had been rehearsing vocally, you know. But then once you add that element of shake your groove thing on stage, holy smokes was I winded. You know, like pipes, not not being able to produce sound. So to dance and to dance on stage as a performer, as part of a show, um, and not just being able to stop when you get tired, to be able to hit your marks and, and, you know, and hit the pose and look good and connect with the audience, that takes energy. So despite the size that any one of these people on this show might be, they, they are athletic. 
You know, they are they are in there. And so from a happy calories don't count perspective, we were speaking um, an episode or two ago about, you know, like these these ideas of health and how a lot of people think that, oh, you know, obese people just aren't healthy. And so I made the argument about how, you know, weight isn't necessarily a measure of health um, and 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 people can have Whatever a medical measure of health might be, whether it is your blood level, um, your cholesterol level, or your blood pressure, or you know, all all of these little things that people like to to measure because people like to track things. You know, they like to measure things, they like to track things, they like to put them in boxes to to claim that this is health and this is not health. And how I made this example of, you know, I know people who are very large people that would be considered morbidly obese that according to the medical um, reports and their levels of all their different blood things that people want to measure, they are quote unquote healthy. They are in perfect health, even though to look at them from the outside, someone would say that they were morbidly obese. And conversely, there are other people that look like a quote unquote normal size or are quote unquote um, even better in better health because they're thin and they're fit according to society standards. And according to those measures, they are deemed unhealthy by whatever medical standard of health that is. And so from a happy calories don't count perspective, what I'm concerned about is I'm concerned that you feel good in your body and you feel good about your body and that your body can support you in the things that you want to do in your life. So from a happy calories don't count perspective, and again, I'm not interviewing any of these girls on um, on the Lizzo's show, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but from a happy calories don't count perspective, I'm watching them on stage and I'm like, dying girlfriend, you know, you you're you are moving. You are moving and your body is letting you do that dance that you want to do. You're a rock star. Go on. Now, there is the do they feel good in their body while they're doing it? Are they in pain? You know, is is a knee not feeling good? Is a hip or a back not feeling good? And I would ask that question regardless of somebody's size, you know, because ballerinas, you know, can have hip problems and neck problems and all sorts of things. Um, these things that we do with our bodies when we're engaged in activity and sport and we're not really paying attention all the time to proper body mechanics and we're more interested in the end goal rather than in the process to achieve that end state. So from a happy calories don't count perspective, it's like, hey, you you appear from the outside like your body is supporting you in the things that you want to be doing. You're auditioning, you want to audition for the show, you're auditioning for the show. Yay. Now based on the clip where the person's having the little emotional meltdown about how, oh, it's just so hard, you know, to be in the size in a world that doesn't accept fatness or, you know, whatever it is. Then there's the do you feel good about your body argument and what can we do to help you feel good about your body? And and there's a, an answer from a happy calories don't count perspective. Now, before I get into that, before I get into that answer, I want to contrast this, the Rizzo's and her, Lizzo, Rizzo, <laughs> Rizzo's in Greece, the Lizzo and her, her big girls. I'm going to contrast that to something someone sent me. Oh my God, it's awful. It's really, really funny, but it's really, really awful. Um, 
So apparently there is this guy, Steven Crowder, um, who is this comedian guy. And uh, and, and I, I guess he does um, like political commentary or something like that. You know, I don't know. But someone sent me this video. Um, so there there are these in the in in this current climate, you know, I don't know when we got here. I don't know how we got here. You know, I remember being, you know, seventeen and having, you know, servers give me the stink eye when I wanted to order my salad without dressing because, you know, I was being a problem. And, you know, my little food quirks, you know, were were um, were upstream or I was the problem child because, you know, I wanted to s- scrape the whatever. I want I want I to get all the fat off my chicken before I eat my chicken or whatever. And people kind of looked at me like a freak. And I was and it was and it was like that I, I was the one that was the problem because you just kind of go along, get along. It's all good. And now, holy smokes, people are gluten free and they're not going to do rice and they're going to do keto or they're not going to eat this or they're not going to eat that. And, you know, I can't have soy or this or that. And every, every you go into a restaurant now and it's almost expected that every entree can be special ordered in any other way because we've all got all of these things. So times have changed quite a bit. And I don't know how or when this one particular thing started to come into being. Um, But just like there are... um, there are political ideologies, but there are also these social, social cultural ide- ideologies. Like it's the LBGTQ thing, and um, and then whether it's uh, you know, I don't even really know neurodivergent. You know, I'm I'm trying to think of words that I've been hearing, you know, and around neuro neurodivergent and and this, and then there's like the um, body divergent and and body queer and 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 things like that, and. And in a different, in a different philosophical light, I I think that part of that is going to contribute to your pain and your shame and your drama, and I'm going to explain why in a bit. Um, so anyway, um, apparently uh, there is this uh, fat pride community, but not just fat pride like gay pride. There is this. Um, it's an academic kind of thing, like where they're having these conferences um, about how fatness needs to be accepted in society and and how we need to uh, embrace all body types and you know it it and and it's this pushing against kind of thing. Well, this this comedian guy, what he did, I told you it's awful. It's hysterical, but it's awful at the same time. Um, he submitted a a joke as a joke he submitted a paper to some fat pride something um academic conference and because it was during the pandemic and everybody was doing it on zoom and well first off his paper got accepted it, he wrote it as a total joke paper um based on all of the the um tropes uh, tropes isn't the right word but all the catchphrases and every everything that people in that community will use and so he wove it together in a way about like how fatness was gonna protect people from trump or just some totally random thing and his paper got accepted and then he dressed up he dressed up as a fat woman he had his hair and his makeup 
person come in and and you know put on a wig and like take out his five o'clock shadow and put on a fat suit and dressed up so that he could participate in this conference and he um, gave his paper to this conference and then and then he thought that the joke was over but then the people invited him to peer review their articles too and the reason why I bring this up is not to I, I mean I keep telling you it, it's it's a very revealing. This this whole thing was very revealing, both in terms of you know like this guy you know trying to pull a practical joke, whatever. But that um, the way in which the community embraced just his philosophy and uh, and 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 just and that the acad just the the dynamics and the mindsets underneath all of this. And what's important to note about this is that this 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 um fat pride conference type of thing the things that they were cheering about in his paper were things that i call out from a happy calories don't count perspective so he he was talking about um how you know, he put on a little bit of weight when he was in college, and then and then he decided that this was going to be a protective buffer for for him, so he wasn't going to have to deal with the advances um, of men, and so it was great. And so then he no longer felt guilty about eating certain foods, and and he was putting in his paper about this idea about during the pandemic, people were talking about. Um, ways to do self-care. And he quoted some other article that, where someone said, well, one way to engage in self-care is, you know, maybe do a workout. And so then his response is, well, why does workout have to be a self-care? So the point is that in his joke piece to this academic thing on fat pride, he was um, he was using, he was stating all of the things about the diet and exercise model, which I said at the beginning of this podcast was the root of all dysfunction, he was using that as a way to support his claims as a way to support the claims and the mission of this fat pride academic community. Um, and and I just think it's all insane. Um, and the reason that I think it's all insane is because... Um, what is happening is it's an overreaction. It is a maladaptive coping mechanism to a problem. And and I talk all the time about how, you know, an eating disorder is a maladaptive coping device. And but there are two pieces of an eating disorder. There is the piece that is the maladaptive coping mechanism to the issues that you are dealing with in the world, to your challenges, to whatever is going on with you emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, um, whether it is childhood family of origin, whether it's childhood trauma, whether it is, you know, whatever it is, that piece that is causing you to act out against yourself, that piece that is causing you to harm yourself, there's that piece. And that piece is the piece that needs to get healed and that probably needs professional um, psychiatric or professional counseling or, or something um, 
that that you're going to need support for that. But that piece, that's the same piece, whether you're dealing with an eating disorder, whether you're dealing with drug addiction, alcohol addiction, any other sort of addiction or maladaptive coping mechanism, that piece is the same. The piece that's, that's the eating disorder piece, the piece that's like, oh, now I'm not going to feel guilty about eating certain foods piece. Oh, the the piece about, um, well, why does work working out need to... Um, need to be a way that people take care of themselves and all of that, those dysfunctions come out of that diet and exercise model. And so what I see happening is that this diet and exercise model has created such tremendous dysfunction in our society, in our culture, and to each of us individually. So like it creates all of this dysfunction to individuals, but then it's also created a collective cultural dysfunction around food, exercise, our body, and our weight. And the thing is, is that it creates it creates tremendous amounts of pain because when it comes to our body, our weight is one of the first things people see. And I'm going to contrast this to, you know, not to bring up the slap again, uh, but, you know, we just had that the Oscars. And so, you know, now a whole bunch of people are aware of this condition called alopecia where, you know, you lose your hair. And I, I know people, I, th I think I know someone who actually has alopecia, but I know a lot of bald women. And I, and I know a lot of women who have been bald at various times in their life. And um, quite frankly, to, to look at someone like Jada, I, uh, and there was a big discussion about this on the Facebook feeds and on the Instagram feeds and all of that stuff, that, wow, I didn't know that she had any sort of medical condition. I just thought she was sporting a, a badass hairdo. I mean, look at that. Look at her. Go, 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 girl, you know, rock on. And so there... I, I know, I can imagine that from an individual perspective, one might feel self-conscious. You know, if, if you think that, oh my goodness, my hair's falling out, and why is my hair falling out? And, you know, I love my hair. And it's particularly someone like me, you know, with my long mane and my hair is kind of like my hair, to to suddenly not have that, that, that would be something that would mess with with me like oh my goodness my my mane where where did where did my hair go isn't that isn't my hair you know kind of like part of who i am and you know that kind of thing and i'm going to come back to that in a minute that's another thing that we have to address that that identity thing but you know uh, when i see someone who is bald i'm a, a woman in particularly my thought my first thought generally goes to cancer because that's more of the people that that I have had personal experience with that they go bald because they're dealing with chemo. So when you see a woman who's bald, even though the individual might feel self-conscious about her condition, I don't believe that there is a cultural shaming of that. Um, because one, you assume that it's a choice. And then if it's not a choice, then the assumption is it's a medical condition and it's not her fault, right? Well, if you're looking at someone's body, the assumption is that your weight is your fault. The assumption is that 
you your body shape and size is a result of what you eat and what you do for exercise. That's what that diet and exercise model says. So the assumption is that if you are overweight or you're just not the size you want to be, you know, if you're dealing with it from more of an emotional, psychological point of view, um, as opposed to just a sheer volume, you know, plus size obese kind of perspective, you know, because there are a lot of size two skinny minis that still freak out about their, you know, they're not the size they want to be. So the diet and exercise model, it says if you're overweight or if you're not the size you want to be, you're at best unmotivated or undisciplined. And at worst, you're lazy and you're stupid because everyone knows how to lose weight. You just diet and exercise. That's what the diet and exercise model says. And so if you are a plus size person, to yourself, you are like, oh my God, what's going on? I, I, there must be something wrong with me because this this cultural belief is that I can control my body and my weight by controlling what I eat and what I do for exercise. And if you are part of that that um, that that um, fat pride community, whether it is a general fat pride community or that specific academic one that Stephen was making a joke of. That community is pushing against the pain, is pushing against the rejection. They're, they're trying to reject the diet and exercise model, but they're not rejecting the model. And you can see that they're not rejecting the model in the way they use their language, in the idea of, you know, well, I can eat whatever I want. And you're not going to tell me what I can eat. And I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go for a walk or what whatever their dysfunction around the food or exercise or that control might be they're pushing against the the model without healing it they're pushing against this idea that you can control what you look like and that what is missing is this nuance what's missing is this fallacy that yes you are absolutely responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise but the fact that you are responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise does not mean that you can therefore control your body's weight and shape through diet and exercise. So that right there can provide an ounce of healing. You can see right there, it's not your fault. And when you can see that it's not your fault, you don't have to push so hard against the rest of the world, against that diet and exercise model. And then again, this is where, you know, there's there's that piece where we're, we're calling out the fallacies of the diet and exercise model. But then also, this is where I'm going to call you to the carpet for your, your responsibility for your personal growth and your well-being. Because whether you're talking about it in terms of your weight, um, whether you're talking about it in terms of, you know, your hair, your weight is not your identity, your hair is not your identity. You know, your label, whatever you want to call it, LGBTQ, straight, um, neurodivergent, whatever these labels are getting thrown around in current cultural society nowadays, those labels are not your identity. And, and this is where I think people are starting to have even more pain, more shame, more um, psychological distress, because what's happening is to try to, to try to find a group, 
to which one can belong. You're going to start to label and identify as or whatever, or to reject the generation that came before. You're going to, you know, change the labels, do these things. But at the core, whenever you are labeling yourself as something else, you're forgetting your essential nature. And your essential nature is you are a human being. That's what you are. That's that's what your identity is. Your identity is you're a human being. You are a you you are a spiritual being. You have you are an emotional being. You are a psychological being. You are a mental being. You have thoughts, feelings, beliefs, a physical body, and actions. And not one of those things individually can define you. You are a collection. You are greater than the sum of its of your parts. And so. When you're working through all of these issues, whether it be an issue because, you know, it's it's hair loss. But again, you're probably not listening to this particular podcast if you're talking about hair. I'm just using that as an example because it's another thing in pop culture that came out during this week. But to compare and contrast how someone can look at, at a condition that, that the person experiencing it would be very self-conscious of, but there's no judgment toward the rest of the, from the rest of the world to that person. And when it comes to body and weight, there's a tremendous amount of judgment from the rest of the world to that person. So the person who is in that state, whether it is anorexia and being super, super thin, or whether it is being morbidly obese, that person is not only dealing with the psychological, mental, emotional drama that they go that they deal with in their life, they are dealing with the dysfunctions and the pain and the trauma that is born from that diet and exercise model. And then they are also dealing with the judgment and the shame put upon them by society that is based and grounded in that diet and exercise model. And so when we can heal ourselves of that diet and exercise model, you know, society doesn't necessarily need to catch up with us. You know, when you can stand in your own power, when you can stand in your own freedom, when you can stand in your own peace and that you feel good in your body and you feel good about your body, it really doesn't matter what the rest of society thinks. And you really don't have to go out and prove yourself to anyone else because you've got the peace from within. You only want anything you want because you think having it will make you happy. And so when you can come to that place where you can find authentic and congruent happiness within yourself, you got you got what you really wanted. You got the you got the end goal of why you wanted whatever it was that you wanted in the first place. And then the paradoxical, ironical, you know, miraculous uh, way of the universe is that oftentimes when you're happy, then those external miracles, those external things you were seeking, just kind of show up in your life. And so. It, to bring it back around to that that fat pride thing and to contrast it with the Lizzo thing, you know, that that fat pride, what I witnessed from that clip, from that, you know, gag on the Steven Crowder show, that, of course, is a subset 
that I'm not speaking about every obese person in the United States. I'm not uh, I'm not addressing everybody that is like in the fat pride community. You know, I'm just speaking toward what I saw in this particular clip. And I saw a lot of dysfunction and I saw a lot of pushing against what is and trying to push against society and like doubling down in anger like this, uh, like being fat takes up space. And so you can't push me around and I'm going to claim my space. And those are all things that our emotional psychological needs that we all need and to learn how to find them from within yourself without needing to what it really looked like to me was bullying other people based on your size. So again, I think that any of these labels, whether it's the fat, pride, gay, LGBT, neuro, whatever it is, um, ultimately serve to pull you away from your truest self, your truest center. You know, it's like if you talked about me, you know, like, yes, I have a cat and I have a dog. So I I, I am a mother of fur babies. I am a Pilates instructor. I am an actress. I am an entrepreneur. I am a podcast host. I am an author. I Those are all these things that I have done and they are all roles that I play, but they are not who I am. Who I am is so much more than all of that. And that is the same of you, regardless of the role you play, whether you are a mother, whether you are a doctor, whether you are a babysitter, whether you are a student, what what uh, what all the labels that you can apply to you are, the roles that you fill, um, the, the identity labels that you want to put on yourself, you are so much bigger than all of that, that that you are greater than the sum of all of those roles or all of those labels. And so my hope for you is that you will learn to take a beat and take a breath. You will learn to step into your center. You will learn to remember Again, that's what like 99.9% of these podcasts are about. Remember to get out of diet drama land. Remember that you are not a caloric balance sheet. Remember that, yes, you are responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise, but the fact that you are responsible does not mean that you can control the outcome. Remember that... The diet and exercise model is a fallacy. Remember that everywhere you turn, it's going to try to suck you back in. And remember that you are beautiful and you are whole and you are perfect just as you are right now. And you still might want to create something more. And the fastest, most effective way to create that something more is to remember that you are beautiful and whole and complete and perfect just as you are right now and to connect with your body. Your body is the vehicle through which you experience this life. Your body is this is your partner in this adventure called life and your body is a complex system of living intelligence that has a wisdom and a divinity and an intelligence all its, its own. It knows how to create that physical state you're looking for. And so by partnering with your body, that is the fastest way to get there. And unfortunately, that 
cultural diet and exercise model, that root of all dysfunction, disconnects you from the wisdom of your body. So you need to disconnect from the diet and exercise model and reconnect to your body in each and every moment and each and every moment, day after day after day, you take a beat, you take a breath, you find your center, you find your space, you find your grace, and you move forward. So I hope that you have a super, super happy day, and I will talk to you next time. Bye. If you enjoyed this program, help it out. Give it a like, subscribe, follow, share. You know the drill. If you want to learn more about me, my books, programs, and services, visit my website, carmelaramalia.com. And don't worry, if you can't spell my name, you can also always find me at happycalories.com. Take care.